2: That's the second time he's gone on. They never got home, they never got home, they never got home, those, those
1: boys. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes.
3: Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever.
0: Prepare to feel body shamed on today's episode of the Irish Times oh, Second Cups no. Podcast. No. <laughs> oh yes, Ken. <laughs> They're already on. Oh yes, Merv. <laughs> because we're only we're gonna be talking about some very, very buff athletes on the show. How buff, Ken? I hear you ask. on. Tiger Woods buff. Is Tiger Woods particularly buff? He's a bloody bodybuilder. He's not a golf hasn't been a golfer for about seven years. Right. He's a professional bodybuilder who happens to be pretty handy with a golf club. Okay. Anthony Joshua, do you know Anthony Joshua, yeah, the heavyweight yeah, prospect, okay. could Book. be heavyweight champion. He's pretty good.
3: Bo- Rory McIlroy, Rory McIlroy, oh yeah, Rory McIlroy's from
0: Ireland. <laughs> well, no, buff people from Ireland. Don't you know WWE's Sheamus? Ken, lots of buff people from Ireland. God, I was
4: I was actually struggling to name even one person from Ireland who you could describe as being Johnny Walters, Super Johnny Walters. Ah, come
0: on, a lot of the rugby players. You're not saying Tommy Bowe. You're saying Tommy Bowe is not buff. Come Key on, easy. Yeah, <laughs> Key and eighty. No, he's not buff. Though. We, we, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah and no,
4: not like you wouldn't call Paul O'Connell buff. I mean, I'm not saying that Paul O'Connell wasn't in tremendous shape throughout the course of his career, but he's not buff.
0: If you're surprised, well, I would dispute that. But if you're if you're uh, surprised by Rory McIlroy, Ken, hmm. you're going to be shocked by the final name on this list. Oh, McDavid. <laughs> no, no, that will be shocking.
3: A Ga- very, very,
0: strange <laughs> podcast. Yeah, if I was just, just telling people. No, Gary Player. Gary Player,
3: yeah. the more I work out, the buffer I get. <laughs> hey, Nice,
0: yeah. Sleep played. So, okay, all these stories have come out in the last few weeks about McIlroy's rigorous weights program and how much he's working out. Uh, it's essentially driven by a Nike advertising campaign, but he's certainly in better shape than he was when he first started competing in majors. The inspiration behind his dedication to the gym is the 80-year-old three-time Masters champion, Gary Player. This from Derek Lawrenson in the Daily Mail. Seven or eight years ago, McIlroy Oh, I'm paraphrasing a little bit but McIlroy wasn't in amazing shape he was struggling with a back problem so I'll take it up in this article you need to get fit Rory said player to McElroy. look at that weight you're carrying actually roared player pinching McElroy's belly right, right. you need to strengthen your core player then invited McIlroy to punch him in the stomach oh no so he would have been mid 70s this age player saying, punch me in the stomach McElroy. you're supposed to be a new hot shot right show us what you got Rory's understandably first couple of attempts were tentative yeah, yeah. You don't really want to punch a seventy-five-year-old man too hard in the good. No.
1: Eventually, players are like, "Come on, come on, hit me, hit me."
0: Yeah. Then he landed a harder blow. It's like punching a wall," said Rory. "You're right. I do need to get
3: fitter." You,
4: know, is you know, Gary Player reminds. He, really has, yeah. of, he reminds me of that. Uh, you know, the viral ads that appear on the internet of the. 75 year old miracle doctor you know with his top off which is like the worst photoshop you've ever seen in your entire life Gary Player is the living embodiment of that crazy doctor that's,
3: that's I just can't believe the Gary Player would, would go around well do you know how many of
0: a sit-ups player does a day no 1300 what mm-hmm. he once clarified that he doesn't do 1000 sit-ups a day as had been reported this is only in the last couple of years yeah I do 1300 why he said uh, he's a fitness freak pushes 300 pounds on a leg machine apparently at 80 years of age Okay,
3: well, that's not actually that much.
0: No, and you, by the way, have you seen Gary Player? He hit a hole in one last night, the par three course, and uh, and celebrate. This is an eighty-year-old man hitting a hole in one at par three, mm. which is a pretty good going to begin with, and celebrated with this jaunty little kick in the air. <laughs> he's he's a bit like he's um, there's a little bit of the Trapatoni about him, I think. You remember we met Trapatoni and you just you felt this guy belied his age with mm. the sort of energy that he was. You look shocked by this, like,
4: all it's like a, just, the the, the edited that... Golf scene from Cocoon. Basically Gary Flair's <laughs> life as a
3: moment. I'm trying to think how long it would even take to do thirteen hundred sit ups. I mean Yeah, it's just so boring. Oh like, why would God, you bother? I mean that's like an hour. At a second well, a second ago that would be well, like be more than twenty the, minutes if each one took only a second. Maybe he does it faster than that. I don't know. But like twenty minutes of continuous sit ups. Come on, Gary, like you're you're eighty years old, you know? And way fitter than you or I can. Like, yeah, I mean, I that suppose, would be Gary Player's rejoinder if he was sitting right here. You know, maybe in in forty years' time, if we're still talking about Gary Player, you know, come on, Gary, when are you got to let go, you're one hundred and twenty <laughs> years old. You've just hit another hole in one at the par three. Um, yeah, you know, maybe maybe it does have benefits, but I just I just can't imagine spending that much time on, you know, ripped abs at that stage of life. We'll talk to us Murph about McIlroy shortly, and Anthony Joshua.
0: If you see, he's, he, you've seen this guy; he's pretty intimidating physique. He's also used that physique to stop all 15 opponents in his professional career since uh, he turned pro after winning Olympic gold in 2012. He's seriously good as well this guy and he comes across as a really smart, chilled out kind of dude who's able to manage he, he does enough to hype up his fights and hype himself up, but he manages he seems to be able to manage the madness of being involved in the circus that he is involved in in that sport. Donald McCrae interviewed him in the Guardian last year and uh, sample quote but over the course of the afternoon we talked about a lot of great old heavyweights from Joe Lewis to Tyson and Joshua is acutely aware of how even once seemingly imp- how even once seemingly impregnable impregnable champions were not only defeated but ended up in chaos debt and drug addiction I imagine Don's written a series of great boxing books involving some of the, those great old heavyweights so I'm imagining he enjoyed that chat we'll catch up with them in a little while this is the final podcast of the week though which means it's the last podcast before we head over with Erlingus to New York City we're bringing over a couple of I'm going to call them mega Irish sporting superstars, Murph. Don't reveal details just yet, in case you're about to blurt it out.
4: No, no, no. I'm I'm just merely agreeing with your uh, uh, hyperbole there. Yeah.
0: Right? Uh, well, it's not even hyperbole if it's.
4: I suppose correct. I ca- I couldn't necessarily agree with it if yeah well we
0: know what we're saying mega sporting stars uh, with us for the live show at the Brass Monkey on April 13th details will be revealed in that one uh, later on but it's not too late to send us your shout outs to any friends or family that you're going to have over there email editor at secondcaptains.com the Brass Monkey show is going to incorporate images and video so please send any embarrassing photos that you deem appropriate that you'd like to use to uh, shame anyone over there or just say hello and Be you know, say something nice about them. We're traveling. Just be sound about it. Just be, just be nice. You do love these people, or at least like them. If you're going through the effort of sending over videos and photos with us, we're traveling on Monday, so the first shows of the week will be out on Tuesday. Let's talk masters with Brian Murphy.
1: Yes, we have to
3: say it. Remember, this is just a football game, no matter who wins or loses.
4: I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior.
3: You're being extremely truculent. Whatever truculent means, if that's good, I'm there. Strike three called, in the Giants. J-
0: U.S. Murph, it feels like it's been a while. How are you?
1: It has been a little bit while, but we actually did a show or two without you, Owen. So I feel like it's a long-lost reunion with you in particular, buddy, and uh, and in general with the show. So glad to be back. Springtime in California is glorious, as I imagine. It might be over there, a little drizzly. I Ah. don't know. But I hear you guys are making a road trip. Maybe I'll meet you halfway. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we are. Somewhere in New York, right? It it would
4: be actually kind of rude, really, for (laughs) us to go all the way to America and for you to then not come and meet us.
1: (laughs) Okay, I'll let everybody know. I'm going to drop everything. And actually, you guys are going next week, right?
4: Yeah, Monday morning. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I have a family vacation planned for spring break down to the uh, Palm Springs desert area. I'm going to tell the family, just cool out. Just, just chill out. I'll be gone for about seventy-two to ninety-six hours, <laughs> and just uh, don't go anywhere. I'll yeah. be right back. Yeah, you just tell yeah. tell,
0: <laughs> t- tell the boys and work, tell Peacon and Mac and all the boys and work that. Listen, you know, you just gotta, you gotta go. But t- I gotta start this off. We're talking golf, right? This is the. I'm gonna read to you the daily schedule of one of the world's top golfers in the two weeks leading up to the Masters, and what you have to do is identify the golfer. Are you up to this challenge? Mm,
1: a little quiz game. Yeah. I believe I did w- very well in the quiz we did at Foley's in the live broadcast. Oh, yes, in San it is. Yeah, so.
0: 530 a.m. 5.30 a.m. By the way, Murph, uh, as in our Murph, on is staring at me. He doesn't. He, he's never heard the term 5.30 a.m. before. He doesn't even know what it means. Uh. 5.30 a.m., wake up, light breakfast. 6.30 a.m., hit the gym, running, mobility training, stability exercises. 7.30, eat larger breakfast with recovery drink. 9.00 a.m., course practice. L- uh, noon, lunch. 1.30 p.m., more course and practice. 4.00 p.m., mid-afternoon snack. 4.45 p.m., main workout of the day. 6 p- 30 p.m. dinner, 10 p.m. bed. Who do you think that is?
1: That's a great guess. Uh, I'm gonna say right now that's not Phil Mickelson. Okay, <laughs> the guy who once the guy who once wore his green jacket through a Krispy Kreme donut drive-through window. I'm gonna say <laughs> no on that one. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna rule out Tim Lumpy Heron, who uh, who who's who is shaped like a pear. So I think I'm gonna go ahead and wager a guess that he would be Northern Ireland's own slash Ireland's own fitness lunatic, Rory McElroy. How's that?
4: It kind of sounded like your workout routine actually, brought. I was gonna ah. guess you rather than Rory McElroy.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's Rory McElroy it indeed. Me. Yeah. Are you impressed by that?
1: Uh well yeah you boy. Huh. I am I'm a little worried. He's he's you know he hasn't won in a while here in the States and people are wondering what's up because Jason Day is winning like crazy and Jordan Spieth is defending champ, and everybody's coming. Everybody says, "When's Rory's time?" And, and there's been all that talk about the workouts and, and becoming tigerized and overworking out, if that's a phrase. And that boy, that sure did sound like a hell of a discipline. Sound like a Marine boot camp is what it sounded like. <laughs> First of all, I felt like he was at the U.S. Marine. The opening scene of Full Metal Jacket, right, with some <laughs> drill sergeant, drill instructor yelling at him. So, I mean, it's great in theory that he's taking so such good care of himself, but I, I noticed that ever since he's been just completely morphing his body from the the tubby little boy out of uh, Royal County down to the absolute rock-ripped, dumping Caroline Wozniacki because i got to go be with my American girl, dude, uh, he hasn't been winning. So I'm a little concerned at the overemphasis on training. It's hard to say that, though. It's right. You always want your athletes to train. You want your athletes to be disciplined. You want your athletes to be committed to the cause and, and on paper, he's committed to the cause. I'd just like to see it translate, guys, at Augusta National because that would be such a great story for him to to add the Masters to his list of championships. But right now, he's yet to do it. And not only that, he comes with a little scar tissue at Augusta National. But at least we know this. If he does slip the jacket on, his biceps will be rippling against the <laughs> sleeves. We know that. Well, so. the
0: Tiger comparison is an interesting one because I remember seeing them together as part of this Con, not necessarily a construct. I mean, they, they do seem to genuinely get on well with each other. But there were a lot of these joint appearances for a while, about a year and a half ago. And one of them was on Jimmy Fallon's show, and they were t- hitting drives in a virtual kind of uh, driving setup. And I couldn't get over as Tiger and Rory on together. I could not get over the size of Tiger Woods compared to McElroy I knew mean, he'd be bigger and, and taller and broader, but McElroy... Woods is like a bodybuilder, a big bodybuilder, and McElroy looked like a pipsqueak compared to him. My- I hope Rory didn't <laughs> feel a little bit emasculated that day and decide that he had to double down on his gym work.
1: It is a great question and it's it's not really one that you like there has been a scientific answer to yet, but there is a raging debate as to how much you should build your body up in golf and how much you need to maintain your elasticity or how much you need to maintain the body God gave you and the golf swing God gave you versus trying to remake yourself in the gym and, and, and Rory's the latest uh, candidate. This goes back guys. I remember hearing Johnny Miller, the great U S golfer who won a, a British open championship and a U.S. open championship, and then became famous over here for being a very candid announcer, often dropping the C bomb. He, he's the guy who always says, Oh, that player's choking or, He's choking or watch him choke here. He drives players nuts because he talks about choking, which is the taboo thing to do in golf. But he told a story once that when he was winning golf, like he won tournaments like crazy in 1973, 74, and he felt like, man, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm playing awesome. What do I need to do next? He goes, I need to get stronger. So in 75, Johnny Miller, being the good uh, Mormon boy he is, went up to his Utah ranch and just chopped wood for an entire winter, and he said he got bigger muscles than he ever had, and he said he played terrible the next year. His body – and so he – he blamed it on his over-musculature nature, to make up another word. And, uh, and, and so he, he's sort of been a cautionary tale against, against the fitness regime. Now, look at Tiger Woods, right? I mean, he won, what, 14 majors, 75 tournaments, arguably the greatest winner we've ever seen, and he worked out like a lunatic. But you could also argue that the only reason he's still not out there right now is because he worked out like a lunatic. And there might have been too much stress on his body and too much stress on his knee and too much stress on his back. Again, these are questions, as I said at the outset here, that we can't answer specifically because it is, it's is—it's sort of a chicken of the egg. Did, did Tiger's body break down because he was working out too hard or did Tiger start working out because his body was breaking down from golf swings? So, All I know is that Rory, it's been too long since Rory won. I know he played well at the match play. I know he played well at Doral. But we're looking at a guy now who's, you know, his body's been remade. We need his mind to be remade. And, oh, by the way, he's going to show up at Augusta National tomorrow morning, uh, Thursday morning, and there's going to be unbelievably great players who are playing great, ready to to try to win the same thing. I mean, this is a deep, deep field filled with thoroughbreds who all – you could make an argument for all of them. So, uh, Rory, let's just hope that this incredibly disciplined uh, workout regime translates somehow – to play in great golf, especially on Sunday at Augusta.
0: It's funny because last year, it's only last year that McElroy came into this with all the talk on him and all the focus about him. It just seems crazy that it was that recent uh, that, that the Jordan Spieth era began. You know, he dominated the Masters and immediately became the main man in golf. You mentioned Jason Day there as well. McIlroy is actually only number three in the world now. Do you think this dynamic between, hopefully between the three of them, makes up for the absence of Tiger?
1: Well there you go. I mean, I, I don't think we'll ever get there, guys. I really don't. I think Tiger was was a truly a once in a century figure. transformative figure. and I, I, you know the sum is that you say this is the sum equal to the parts if you if you say Rory plus Jordan plus Jason plus Ricky Fowler, you know, plus Dustin Johnson, Adam Scott, Phil Mickelson, uh, all these guys. Yeah, Are, are those seven
0: guys together equal to the allure of Tiger Woods in his uh, prime?
1: No, the answer is no. <laughs> the answer is no. It's as simple as that. I mean, Jordan Spieth was sensational last year and, in fact, did everything Tiger did. Won the Masters at age 21 and shot it with 18 under. That's exactly what Tiger did. He was 21 years old and he was 18 under. And what kind of, if you had to say, if Tiger was at a 100 by doing that on the Q rating, the fame, the compelling nature of it. Jordan Spieth was at at about a 50, you know, he's about half the buzz, half the allure, half the, obviously so much of it goes back to race, race in America, race in golf. You know, that's a huge factor of Tiger's success. Nobody's ever looked like him and done it. He also just had this sensational amateur career, winning the six straight U S junior amateurs and U S amateurs. And he had kind of came along right after Michael Jordan and Nike and there was the sensation of, is he the Jordan of golf? All that stuff added up to make Tiger that way. And so you get a guy like Jordan Spieth, who should be as big as Tiger, and he's not as big as Tiger. And then you get a guy like Rory McElroy, who becomes, I don't know, is he the next great European star? Nick Faldo, even though I'm not a big fan. Jose Maria Olathabo, all the great Seve Ballesteros, all the great Europeans that have come out. And Rory hits a lull. I think what these guys are are more like regular golfers we've seen through the years, which is you can't win all the time like Tiger. You just can't. So guys are gonna go get hot and cold. Hell, even Jordan Speith is somewhat quote unquote cold lately. You know, he hasn't he won the opening tournament in Maui and he hasn't won since. And so we're like, quote, what's wrong with Jordan Speith? Well, really, nothing's wrong with Jordan Speed. It's golf. You can't win all the time, except for Tiger Woods. He won all the stinking time. And if you go back to his the stat that we never really talk about with him is his win percentage. It's not just that what he won. It's the percentage of tournaments he won that he entered. And I, and I don't have the numbers right in front of me. Maybe we can look them up later or whatever. But if you look at the number of tournaments he won versus the number he entered compared to other great players, including a Jack Nicholas or people like that, even then he stands like Babe Ruth and Wilt Chamberlain, a top of the mountain as in this Everestian figure. So no, you're not going to equal Tiger. You're never going to be as compelling as him sociologically. You're never going to be as compelling as him in terms of victories either. It's a good show, and for guys like me, and I think you guys, I think you'll watch the U.S. Masters with great anticipation. The stage is so dramatic. The uh, the eternal sort of uh, consistency of April in that part of the world is so is so compelling and magnetic but no way will we ever get to the point where, t- where we were with Tiger Woods. I like it. I like Jordan. I like Ricky. I like Rory. I like where we're at, Jason Day. But I think we've lost sort of that 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 crowd that went along with Tiger. It's just us now, guys.
4: Yeah. Uh, interesting, actually, the the word you used there, that you like all of these guys. And I think that uh, as much as race was a huge issue, de- without doubt, the biggest issue in relation to Tiger being the transformative figure that he was there was also the idea that maybe he wasn't golf wants there wants its its best players to behave in a certain way and but they also want someone to come along and replace tiger and in a lot of ways you know you can't have both right because if if Jordan Spieth behaved you know, had that z- like that laser focus in his eye. You know that uh, the the look in Tiger's eyes on a Sunday when he just wanted to kill everyone on the golf course. <laughs> he'd, he'd walk on the practice uh, the out of the practice tee, and he'd just look everyone in the eye and they'd wither in, in uh, you know at that look. And you can't have Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth is never going to do that. Rory McIlroy is never going to do that. Jason Day, Ricky Fowler, all these guys are too nice to ever do that. And as a result, they're just not as interesting to the public as Tiger
1: was. It's very true. You got The black hat goes a long way. There were a lot of... Tiger divided the crowd. He polarized the crowd, and especially the older crowd. I was just reading... I forget what I was reading exactly, but it was about uh, players who, who... It was sort of not talked about a lot at the time, but there were older players who were very resentful of Tiger's histrionics on the course. The double... The slide step, slide step, fist pump. You can just see it in your mind's eye right now. Red shirt, black pants black nike hat here comes a chip that's going towards the hole or a putt that's going towards the hole and you see him slide slide it goes in boom there goes the fist right well nobody did that before him and while a lot of us who were younger at that time i was younger uh watching that thought man what an electric presence man what an incredible feel and a lot of people flocked to it it also caused a lot of older people more traditional people to recoil Sort of like the Muhammad Ali, Sonny Liston days, you know, when Sonny Liston just kind of minded his own business and beat the brains out of people. And then along came Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay, and changed everything. Sort of like that with Tiger. so. No, none of these guys has that. And, you know, you can make an argument that, hey, it's nice. It's nice to have sportsmanship. It's nice to have Jordan Spieth be such a great gentleman and spokesman for the game. Nice that Rory McIlroy seems like such a top lad, as you guys would say. It's nice that Jason Day overcame sort of a hard scrabble background in Australia to become this great winner. But there's no villain. There's no villain out there right now. And, you know, like all great – sporting dramas it's you know when the yankees were dominating baseball in america people loved to hate them when the dallas cowboys were arrogant and called themselves america's team people loved to hate them you know when michael jordan was running roughshod a lot of people loved jordan and and loved what he did but there was also people rooting against him because they were they were magic and bird people so right now that's what's lacking ricky rory jordan jason if it was a four-way horse race down the stretch, I think we'd all be like, oh, look, look at these nice guys. I like all of them, you know? Isn't this nice? So <laughs> we are yeah, no rocking that. that zip, Murph. Yeah, we are yeah. for sure. Tiger's
0: only impact on this year's tournament is going to be, has been indeed, turning up to the champion's dinner. Unreal Food, wrote Tiger Woods about <laughs> Jordan Speed's Texan barbecue menu. Apparently went down a treat. Uh, Brian, Jordan Speed did an amazing job, said Tiger. It was fun catching up with some old friends and telling stories and sitting next to my man, Mark Mira. Pretty cool that at dinner tonight, three of us sitting next to each other have won a combined 14 green jackets. I think he was sitting next to a couple of the big guns, Nicholas and Palmer, or it was certainly Nicholas anyway, and somebody else. Um, this isn't nearly the saddest sound of all, the sound of a nostalgic Tiger Woods. I mean, he's not even retired yet.
1: Isn't that incredible? You're absolutely right. You're looking at his Twitter feed. This is all the stuff he sent out last night. Um, yeah, it's, it's like he's talking in the past tense, isn't he? It was fun catching up with old friends and telling stories. <laughs> I mean, what is this, a high school reunion, man? It's like, it's like, dude, he's done, and wow! it is It has become one of the things, you know, Alan Shipnuck wrote a, a, a celebrated piece this past couple of weeks here in America yeah, yeah, in the U.S. Sports Illustrated. You guys might have even had him on the show, I don't know, but uh, it, it's about what's been missing since Tiger's gone, and where has he gone, and what's, what's the impact of his absence, and and here he is now. Now he maintains – this has become like the great question. Is he ever going to play golf again? Will he play golf this year? Will he ever win again? Can he ever win a major again? And, man, oh, man, the time – father time is just uh, – uh, father time is just dominating Tiger Woods right now. It's looking so bad that he comes back. And then Robert Lusitich, a, a Fox sports writer, a journalist who actually no longer works at Fox, but I think you guys have had him on. He's uh, uh, born in Australia but now lives in California – he, he's a good reporter, and he reported about three months ago, he said things are going terribly for Tiger, and he's just he can't get off the couch, he can't stand up, and then Tiger responded because he hates the media, and he always has to try to zing the media any way he can by releasing that very odd picture of him hitting a, a golf shot in front of a simulator with a nine iron, and it was almost like he was telling the reporter to, you know, screw off, here's me, but really, that's the only thing he's ever done, and that was it. It was just one shot, and then he hasn't been seen since. Next thing you know, he's Signing yearbooks at the uh, at the Masters Champions Dinner and talking about, hey man, see you next year. You know, uh, <laughs> sitting next to Marco Mira, who's what sixty years old. You know, it's like Tiger's almost sixty years old sitting there. So I have become one of those guys who used to believe that it was a fate accompli that he would break Jack Nicholas's record because I believed it consumed him that much. And now we've learned so much in the last six years since the Thanksgiving Night '09 incident and everything that's happened to his mind and his body since. And all the different people who have opined on it, from Hank Haney on down, saying that Haney's most explosive quote recently was that Tiger said, no, I don't, it doesn't matter if I break Jack's record. I'm actually happy with my career so far. So there's so much evidence that it's over, and it's so shocking and so stunning, and it, it is. And it' worthy of a long, meditative, long-form piece to talk about a guy who I think you could argue is the greatest winner American sports has ever seen. Now, I think the only other guy who comes in the argument is Bill Russell, maybe Michael Jordan, but I think you could argue it could be Tiger. And here he is not even playing, guys. A year ago he played. This year, nope, just enjoyed the dinner. Catching up next to Marco Mira at the dinner table.
0: <laughs> is it also all over for your... Beloved Golden State, our beloved Golden State
4: Warriors. <laughs> did you hear, hear McDevitt backtracking out of off the uh, Golden State uh, bandwagon there?
1: Oh, man, I'm glad you're not in the locker room, man. I'm glad you're not one of the boys ready to jump ship after just one <laughs> little turbulence. Come on. So when your plane is flying to New York next week, you guys hit a little turbulence over the Atlantic, yeah. you're going to pull the uh, exit door and just jump? That's what you're going to do? <laughs> Come on, man. These are the Golden State Warriors. They're 69 wins and nine losses after a stunning upset loss to the Minnesota Timberwolves Tuesday Minnesota night. Minnesota the I know, I know. The Timberwolves, you know, Timberwolves actually have a lot of young talent, believe it or not. And they played with yeah. the carefree abandon of a team that wanted to make history against a team that undeniably, guys, undeniably, in the last two, three weeks, has played like they're feeling the pressure of the of the record. There's no getting around it. They're, the the way they played the first sixty games of the year has been different than the way they played the last fifteen or twelve. They are playing tighter. They're not. They're not. They're not as free form and as warriorish as they've been. And it's interesting to watch the human factor enter into all this. That to become the greatest team in the history of the NBA requires this Herculean effort to try to get to seventy three wins. I'm sure most of our listeners know, but some don't. The Chicago Bulls of 95-96 went 72 wins and 10 losses. It's the greatest season in the history of the NBA. And the Warriors have been, been on pace to pass them until these last two losses at home where they had won 54 straight. So there's no question that there's a crack right now in the confidence. There's a crack in the foundation as it relates to chasing the record. They're still the best team in the NBA. They're still the favorites to win the NBA championship but it is really really interesting to see how they're going to handle this little bit of turbulence their 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 impermeable unbeatable air has now been punctured just a little tiny bit and the San Antonio Spurs are sitting right behind them with all their banners and all their flags and all their experience and all their wisdom and all their cool and all their maturity and they're just kind of waiting to pounce on these new warriors who are getting the speed wobbles a little bit i'll tell you what it's making for great drama. And if these two teams meet in the Western Conference Finals in late May, as we anticipate, could be, could be the greatest conference finals we've ever seen. But in the meantime, they still have a chance. If the Warriors win their last four games, they get the record. San Antonio in Oakland Thursday night, at Memphis Saturday night, at San Antonio Sunday, and then Memphis in Oakland next week. It can be done. I'm going to go ahead and predict they win three of the four and tie the Bulls record, which guys, it's pretty damn good.
4: I'm keeping the faith Brian Don't worry Don't don't worry I mean this This scumbag here beside me I'll have I'll have a word off air Brian don't worry
1: He's no longer a splash brother He's <laughs> no. in it's, There's been a divorce He's a splash ex-brother <laughs>
0: Listen if they can reel off All four wins Brian They're back in my good books Great to catch up Thanks so much US Murph
1: Great talking to you boys Enjoy the Masters And
2: he is my second captain Second captain It's a humorous company I saw that Important men For my selection
0: Let's pick up a thread from that conversation, Murph, uh, which was just about mentioned by uh, Brian Murph, with the Alan Shipnook story Mm. in Golf.com. This was a big piece. It was uh, a hugely detailed piece by Shipnook. The question he posed at the start was, what happened to Tiger Woods? It's the most vexing question in sports. I don't yeah. know if he necessarily got around to a f- a full answer, but he certainly uh, you know revealed quite a lot in the process.
4: Yeah, and I, I think that uh, well, the most interesting thing for me that Brian touched uh, that Brian touched on as well in the chat there was this idea that we we lo- we always have it in our head that Tiger Woods will be haunted by the number eighteen for the rest of his life. That this is like a that that was the one thing driving him for his entire career, that to to get to Jack Nicklaus's uh, record of 18 major title wins. And yet what Chipnock appears to say is that by the time 2008 had come around, that Tiger was just tired of it all. That that, uh, whatever had been driving him in the past just wasn't there anymore. And that golf... uh, Everyone says, you know, the the off-course distractions were what brought down Tiger Woods, but actually... What Shipnock is saying here is that it was over anyway. That it was the that the the idea that he would reach 18 was a pipe dream, pipe dream, even before the the water, the fire hydrant, and all the rest. So, I mean, I I don't know that that's true. I mean, I think that that you can look back and talk to as many people as you like. I don't know that you can say the Tiger Woods wouldn't have rediscovered it in 2009 or 2010. You know, Jack Nicklaus was where it was uh, winning U.S. Masters you know at 46 and tiger is only 40 so you know it, the idea that it's gone and it can it, that that if if everything else hadn't happened if all the injuries hadn't happened that tiger woods would tiger woods would just walk away from it at 34 or 35 or 36 yeah. when he's still quite competitive you know I, I i wouldn't sign up to that necessarily but at the same time it's an interesting idea because it it was a it's a pretty simple it was a pretty simple equation Tiger Woods was is uh, was the greatest golfer of all time and to prove it he'd have to win 19 uh, major titles and we always thought that Tiger Woods thought as simply as all that about it as well yeah yeah it's true uh, well, that's but that's what that's, that's what Earl
0: wanted us to mm. think it was part of the uh, myth the mythology that was built up around Tiger from the <laughs> from the time he was a baby practically mm. uh, but I, what I really took out of it is that I think Tiger may have ended up in the wrong sport mm. and I don't know if Earl had his time back maybe he'd He'd push him into something else because it looks to, it sounds to me like he needed to be doing something a bit more physically primal, mm. like you know, like boxing, American football, something like this. There's all these stories of him. He's a, he arrives at a neighbor's mansion in Florida. Another guy who's on tour with him, a, a friend of his, a, a fellow who we called friends. But it's, so this guy says a Tiger would arrive with his top off. Uh, tiger lived nearby, you know, and he is after sweat listening from his body after doing a ten mile run. He'd pound a few two irons down your man's fairway and then head off on another nice eight-mile run home or whatever, whatever it is. And he's thinking, how can you compete with this? There's Charles Howell Third tells a story of Tiger. Uh, they're on holidays together in South Africa. And uh, Tiger wants to do shark cage diving. So you, you, know, you jump in a cage, you get lowered down. There's a lot of stuff thrown out for, to attract the sharks. And then you get really scared and exhilarated and come back up and talk about how great it was to... I've got a friend who did this, and I've never heard the end of it, Ken. So I know how people like to talk about these experiences. But anyway, Tiger's getting bored because there's no sharks around, so he says, screw that. I'm going to jump into this water and swim over to these dolphins through potentially shark-infested waters. Uh, And all this stuff about the Navy SEALs, I know this has been talked about in the past, but he seemed obsessed with the... He actually wanted to be a Navy SEAL. Mm. like He said that to Hank Haney, I think, and others. Yeah, but what I I would say about that,
4: though, is that at root, he was... A nerd, you know, like, the, and the, that's covered in the Shipna thing as well. That, you know, he's he, he could be an alpha male in no other sport other than golf, and I think that that you know the, you could that's what he was trying to do. I mean, that's what hanging out with Michael Jordan was all about. Mm. The this idea that you know, like, we're the same, you know. Um Even though Jordan and you know the, Jordan and Tiger Woods at fifteen, I'm going to suggest would not have been very close friends in high school. But the idea was that if Tiger won more and more golf tournaments...
0: He became a jock?
4: Yeah, yeah. But like, And I think that that's, that's another part of what that was as well. Like the, this, that, that whole Navy SEAL thing to me was, take me seriously as an athlete. Because, I mean, it can be quite difficult to say that you're the most dominant, the, mo- the scariest athlete in the world if you're competing against guys who are three or four stone overweight. Mm. And, you know, not always winning. Now, obviously, Tiger won a fair degree of titles. But, I mean... He was competing up against guys who were carrying quite a bit of excess baggage. Mm. So I mean, the, the, I think that all all of the weights and all the rest of that was basically take me seriously. I'm an athlete just as much as the middle linebacker for the New York. Giants. I mean, maybe that's a yeah, but maybe I, that's an odd one because yeah. he's probably pretty fat as well. But you know, that, that's <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like that's the quarterback saying.
0: There just seems something incongruous about him doing all that and then going out and playing golf. It just like the the background to the uh, Navy Seal. Angle to this. The public first heard, this is what Chipnook says, first heard about Woods' role-playing with the military in April 2004 when he did four days of training with Special Operations Forces at Fort Bragg. It seemed like a showy one-off, a chance for Tiger to connect with his father's background as a Green Beret, but in private, Woods revered the Seals, Reportedly, repeatedly watching DVDs of their training, spending hours at a time playing a Seals combat video game. According to Haney, Woods went on numerous training missions in the years after the Fort Bragg visit. This might help explain Tiger's penchant for running wind sprints in a weighted vest, jogging in combat boots and pushing heavy metal in the gym. Activities that seem to have little to do with his golf fitness. So whatever the motivation, it did seem that he wanted more in a physical sense than, and in a sporting sense and what he was getting out of golf somehow. The, the whole thing that winning was what yeah, it was all cool. about and that was enough to fulfill Tiger Woods. It doesn't really seem like maybe that was the case.
4: Yeah, no, there's, there's there's probably something in there. You know, I mean I think that, uh, that uh, he's allowed to think two <laughs> two completely opposite things simultaneously. well I mean he's allowed to live the life that he did up until he was about twenty three or twenty four and have that impact in a very different way to the way that you uh, the way that you're describing there,
0: you know. Mm, okay, if you're into that's on golf.com. We'll tweet a link to the article anyway. You yeah, might it's really it, good. It's it really, really state. interesting, yeah. If you're into your golf and fancy the chance to win some serious cash, good news, the Irish Times Fantasy Golf Tournament is back. You can sign up at irishtimes.com forward slash fantasy golf and be in with a chance to win €10,000. What better week to start than the US Masters? So get on to irishtimes.com forward slash fantasy golf. Now, Anthony Joshua, Olympic champion, has won 15. He stopped off 15 of his previous opponents. There's only a 16th fight coming up this weekend, but it's a world title. Uh, challenge already he's going up against the IBF title holder Charles Martin who he's managed to entice over from the US to London they're fighting at the O2 Arena on Saturday night and uh, Donald McRae has interviewed uh, Anthony Joshua for the Guardian joins us now Donald a lot of fighters uh, would still be finding their feet in the professional ranks after 15 fights are you surprised that Joshua is already fighting for a world title?
2: Um, in some ways I am, but on the other hand, if you consider the uh, paucity of the heavyweight division, it's maybe not too shocking that in his 16th fight he's fighting for a so-called genuine world title. But I think also Joshua has the disadvantage that he didn't box a lot as an amateur. Um, so he's coming, coming to the still as a novice, so it's going to be interesting to see how he does on Saturday night.
0: You interviewed him last, uh, around this time last year, last May I think it was. Uh, what did you make of him?
2: I liked him, Um, you know, sometimes with these sort of genial, affable sportsmen, you wonder if it's all a bit of a facade, um, because Anthony's always smiling, he's always charming, he talks well, he doesn't offend too many people, unlike many heavyweight boxers, and I just wondered whether this was a bit of a a slick persona he had developed. But actually, the more I spent an afternoon with him, the more I actually... Began to think he is a genuine, sincere person. He's had a lot of um, complexities in his life, and he spoke quite openly about it. And I warm to him, and I, I think he, I think he's going to be someone who's going to be on the heavyweight and sporting scene for many years to come.
0: The complexities you referred to there—these were arrests, some, some pretty uh, sort of serious wrongdoing in his teenagers.
2: Yeah, and he did tell me there was a time when he thought he was going to be locked. He was actually in jail, and he thought he was going to be locked away for for many, many years. Um, He, I think, was lucky in the sense that the judge perhaps took a lenient view of, of things and decided to give him another chance. So he only spent a short time in jail, but I think that shook him up immensely. That, that,
0: that was, was that for because uh, the, there were a couple of uh, pieces, a couple of points raised in your one. Uh, he was um, well thought he might be jailed for ten years for he, he calls it fighting and other crazy stuff. Yeah. And then the other one was yeah, um, yeah.
2: Was, and he sort of laughed and um, you know kind of said, "Oh, we'll we'll talk more about that next time." So right. <laughs> I didn't know what else he was up for to be honest. He,
0: he seems to have a pretty keen awareness of the pitfalls of the game that he's in, and not a lot of people, uh, well, no, that's probably not fair to say, but quite a lot of uh, great fighters tend to go through their careers thinking they're invincible, then they lose, and we all know what can often start to happen inside and outside of the ring there. I mean, I guess you would have enjoyed this part of your chat with him, that he seemed to n- know all about the great heavyweights of the past, including what can bring you down, and he's able to guard against it.
2: And, you know, he knew I'd done sort of books in the past that he was asking me about, Joe Lewis, who featured in the book I did on Joe Lewis and Jesse Owens, mm-hmm. and then obviously Mike Tyson, and just was sort of saying, why is it that so many heavyweights fall by the wayside? So we had quite a kind of illuminating conversation, and these questions were, were pertinent and made me understand that he had actually thought that it's easy to be seduced by the fame and the glamour and the money and to blow it all. And he seems fairly de- Determined to keep level-headed, and certainly, he seems in amazing shape. You know, he's not one of these fighters who, once he's won a fight, he'll go go away on holiday and, you know, sort of um, party too hard. Um, he seems disciplined and aware that things could blow up in his face if he does not maintain that discipline.
0: Yeah, we have been talking about his physique here, Donald. It's <laughs> it's pretty impressive. Well, it
2: is, you know. <laughs> So if you know, Jimmy in Las Vegas, you know you always have a wise guy saying, "Oh, that guy with the body beautiful, you know, he's got less moves than a than a marble statue." And sometimes with Anthony Joshua, he's not the slickest mover. He has this amazing physique, but you always wonder with those guys, perhaps uh, does it impair their their slick movement because they're so muscle bound? So there's a lot of uncertainty about Joshua. So far, he's passed all the tests. But if he comes up against a particularly elusive, fast-moving heavyweight, um, we'll see how he copes.
0: Yeah, I'd, uh, I don't know if Tyson Fury is you describe as a fast-moving heavyweight. Certainly, he was elusive against Klitschko, though, and he's actually brought up this idea that you mentioned there that um, some people reckon that Joshua and fighters like him, he's called him a bodybuilder or a weightlifter, and he's doing this in a disparaging way. Uh, it's, a, it's one of these fairly unseemly and, you know,
2: I don't... As always with with boxing, it's kind of unseemly.
0: Yeah, especially, and they're not even fighting each other just yet, but you can see it's all being set up for this fight. Mm-hmm. Would would he... Would, the UK um, in general and world boxing be more comfortable with Joshua as the main man? We've obviously talked to you in the past about Fury and the issues around him. Would, would Joshua be the more acceptable face of boxing in the country and worldwide?
2: I think most people would think, oh, well, he has a, a nice young man. Um, he's, he's had his few difficulties in the past, but he's made the most of himself. And he speaks sensibly. Tyson, as we've discussed before and we all know, can say anything that could offend the overwhelming bulk of the population. But this is what is going to make that fight inevitable, unless Anthony Joshua falls by the wayside and loses on Saturday. But if Joshua wins the IBF title, I can see within the next 12 months a fight between him and Tyson. And it will be fascinating to see, because stylistically, yeah, although Tyson is not um, fast... As you alluded to, he's a canny, elusive, much smarter fighter than he is a man and he would pose Anthony Joshua a lot of questions which at the moment no one can say with certainty that Joshua would answer all of them.
0: Donald, just lastly, the, there have been heartwarming photos in the last day or so of Nick Blackwell up and sitting in his hospital bed giving a thumbs up. He's out of the induced coma and seems to be on the mend, thankfully, but has the that near tragedy punctured the build-up to Joshua's fight in any way?
2: Um, I think people, again, it's the age-old debate we have whenever sort of a calamitous incident like this happens. Um, I think it has cost a shadow of a boxing, but the fact that Nick Blackwell seems to, he'll never fight again, but hopefully he will be back to some kind of full health in the coming months means that you know boxing moves on and I think people will not forget but they have obviously turned their attention to this big heavyweight fight but I think most of us who care a lot about boxing will be thinking as much of Nick Blackwell for the next few weeks definitely.
0: Donald, always great to talk to you thanks so much and enjoy Saturday. Thanks
2: Sam. What, you, what are you saying?
3: You're just a phony man, this is just what happened. I admit I don't look like the athlete of the day, Sports to look This ain't, wrestling. This ain't the WWE baby. My is just a little big just a little big. This is just an act that you're doing. You should be an actor. But brother, I am bad and they know I'm bad.
0: <laughs> I'll never do that.
2: There
3: were two bad people. One was John Wayne and he's dead, brother. And the other was right here. You can run around like you a preacher and all that you want. But baby, I promise you, I will baptize you.
2: You can't teach that.
0: That Joe Lewis book that Donald's alluded to there is called In Black and White, The Untold Story of Joe Lewis and Jesse Owens, one of the many great boxing-related books that Donald has written. And The Lost in Boxing is another one to get your hands on there. I think we just alluded to Tyson at one point. uh, Mike Tyson does feature in that book. uh, Sorry, Dark Trade, Lost in Boxing. I'm giving it the second half its name. I'm forgetting the first half. Dark Trade, Lost in Boxing by Donald McRae. The Irish Times Second Captain's Football Podcast is ready for you.
1: That's Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Well, oh, you can laugh. I'm to walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. You well, don't know what you're talking
2: about. Well yeah. did you want a place to stay alive with right, now, I've okay, got a I'd say your face, say it to, your face, not say it well, to what you now. Mean, I'm down to Anfield and we'll see them all we? What you doing down here, you show me man.
3: Well we talked a bit about the Champions League on. Miguel Delaney was in La Vieux Lumière eating just poxy sandwiches as he says himself. Complaining about the, um, the hospitality <laughs> <laughs> from Qatar Sports Investments uh, but he was also watching Paris Saint-Germain against Manchester City mm-hmm. uh, and Said Lau uh, was talking to us about the performance of the Spanish teams three Spanish teams playing two of them got beaten Although one of them was beaten by another Spanish team,
0: and the allegations against Zlatan, we covered that in, in the on sports. Some
3: interesting things have been said about Zlatan Ibrahimovic's uh, apparent gain of ten kilos of muscles in six months at Juventus. I wonder if you can guess what they might have been. This is the football podcast for more. He went to see Gary.
0: He went to see <laughs> Gary Player for fitness. In case you were in any doubt, as the, and, and I know, Ken, you're still? I've rarely seen you look as shocked as uh, you have been today about the.
3: A fitness regime of Gary Player, but Do you know how he posed naked for ESPN magazine. Gary Player, yeah, like two years ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nice. yeah, I mean, obviously tastefully shot.
0: I told you you'd feel body shamed. An eighty-year-old man is posing naked and proud of it. Yeah, for it ESPN. suffice to say,
4: it was nothing like uh, the Monty Burns portrait that Burgess drew back in the day. Quite, yeah. quite dissimilar.
0: Do you want to know his nickname according to Wikipedia? Gary Player. Yeah. Yeah. Go on, Mister Fitness. <laughs> It's terrible uh, He's it's, too well
4: as He should be appearing on You know Good Morning America With a nickname like that Not winning golf tournaments <laughs>
0: Well don't worry Murph As always at Wikipedia There are alternative nicknames Okay The Black Knight
4: Okay, okay. So I'm quite good. Yeah. And this is under
0: This is under the, ter- the heading nicknames International Ambassador of Golf <laughs> that, That's more of a, ty- a Job yeah. description Isn't it than a nickname
4: No It's terrible They're all terrible nicknames
0: Looking forward to our trip next week?
4: Uh, Yes, quite a bit, quite a bit
0: We're heading off to New York We're going to be broadcasting uh, right through the week We'll have our first shows ready for you on Tuesday We're doing that live show on the Brass Monkey on Wednesday That's April the 13th Editor at secondcaptains.com If you want to send any emails in the direction of your friends and family over in the US We've got some huge names boarding that flight with us And coming to the Brass Monkey So can't wait to let you know all about that I'm gonna just leave it there for the time being, but you'll you, you'll know by the time we broadcast. I'm sure. Thanks very much, Murph. Thank you, Owen. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Owen. And we'll talk to you from New York. Take care. It going? it's going, is that,
2: that's the second time it's gone on. Never go home. They never go home. They never go home. Those those
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince.